This is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics, while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Welcome back to the Leaders We Need podcast. I am your host, Joel Harder. Today, we're going to conclude the roundtable conversation on race hosted by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt and organized by Oklahoma Capital Culture. Organizing, convening, and facilitating these kinds of conversations is a significant part of what we do through Oklahoma Capital Culture. And one of the goals of the Leaders We Need podcast is to bring these conversations to you. You can join us, partner with Oklahoma Capital Culture in making more of these conversations happen and elevate the level of political discourse in our culture. Just subscribe to the Leaders We Need podcast, leave a comment, and share this episode and others. Together, we can break through cycles of incivility and create a culture of integrity and servant leadership among policymakers. Well, the final part of this roundtable conversation focuses again on economic development of black business, entrepreneurship, and enterprise, as well as the challenges and opportunities faced by underserved communities where there's been significant disinvestment. You're going to hear from the panel about opportunities that currently exist but could be better utilized, as well as new programs or initiatives that could help make a difference and create needed change moving forward. The panel discussion is part of a series of conversations on race hosted by Governor Stitt and organized by Oklahoma Capital Culture. On the panel with the governor is Oklahoma State Senator Kevin Matthews, Rose Washington, the CEO of Tulsa Economic Development Corporation, Charity Marcus, the founder and CEO of Avenue Consulting and Avenue PR, Mariana Adams, the executive director of Progress OKC, and Wes Mitchell, who founded Digital Convergence Consulting after 35 years in corporate America at a large tech company. And again, both Charity Marcus and Wes Mitchell now serve on the Governor's Minority Business Council. Well, thank you again for joining us for the Leaders We Need. Let's go ahead and get into the conclusion of a roundtable conversation on race hosted by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need Are Possible by Dr. Joel W. Harder. Forward, written by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. In When Leaders Matter, Chaplain Joel Harder presents a three-step approach to engage leaders and restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. When that happens, leaders will be able to work and inspire our communities, states, and nation to address the real problems we are facing and navigate a way forward that will benefit all of us. When Leaders Matter, how civility, integrity, and the leaders we need are possible. Available now on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and BarnesandNoble.com. This question is for you, Senator. Um, You know, what isn't happening or, or available right now that could make a positive impact? What initiatives or programs would you like to see uh, developed in the state of Oklahoma? Well, thank you for that question, Governor. Um, the 100 Black Men Mentoring Program that I'm part of, their national mission is what they see is what they'll be. So we try to be good examples. But 
we've been uh, having conversations with the chamber and executive teams about expanding my entrepreneur shadow program to major corporations that will expose these young African-American children that are responsible. Some of them have even gone to OSU and <laughs> OU and other schools across the state as well as Langston and our public universities, uh, starting with TCC and Tulsa Chiefs. We want, or I believe that the opportunity, uh, if we had uh, the willingness to have our corporations mentor and have internships with these young people to expose them at that level. Uh, most people, as uh, was just said a moment ago, their world is what they've been exposed to. We need exposure through uh, paid internships and those types of opportunities. Well, that, there's an initiative this year called JAG that I'm starting in some under, underserved uh, communities, high schools, that actually encourages and they, and it's a, and they take uh, young people and introduce them to corporations on mentorships um, uh, uh, um, and let them go work in the workplace to get that exposure. So I think you've hit on something there. So I've encouraged our, our higher ed, our common ed, our career techs to work with industry to provide that exposure. I think that's, uh, that's really, really critical. So we need to get to the chamber and get that across the finish line with our, uh, with our schools. Uh, what I want to make sure, of, uh, Governor, just like jun the junior achievement and these models, we do have some good programs. We just don't see black kids in them. So, Governor, may I? Yes, may I please. Something? Um, I've talked about or mentioned procurement as uh, an opportunity uh, for, for us to give African-American business owners access to really business opportunities. And uh, I think that's important in government as well as in large corporations. Um, November 6th of 2012, a state question 759 passed, and I don't know if, if you were paying attention back then as you were growing your business, but basically state question 759 made affirmative action illegal in Oklahoma. And while maybe some of the intention was to eliminate uh, preferences in, in granting scholarships uh, in higher ed, what happened is it put a nail in the coffin of probably thousands of uh, black businesses in Oklahoma who relied on government for business. And so if you look at the GDP of Oklahoma, I don't know what it, what it is now, but uh, in 2016, I think my notes say about 186 billion maybe. Uh, 30 billion of that was uh, in government spending. And so that's roughly 16%. Well, that's 16% of revenue produced in this state that African Americans did not get a piece of because historically they had had access through these set-asides for government spending in, in, at the city level, the county level, as well as the state level. Well, that opportunity is over. And so I think one thing, which is a huge challenge, is to try to modify the state constitution to allow for those types of set-asides, which I'm telling you, a lot of African-American businesses relied on, and a lot of them lost everything when cities and states and counties no longer could offer those uh, procurement programs to them. 
Governor, you know we have the eight-year program on transportation across the state, and I'm on transportation committee, which is a very important uh, part of making us a top 10 state. When I was the chair of the Oklahoma Legislative Black Caucus just a couple of years ago, black people had only one-tenth of one percent, one-tenth of one percent of those contracts on road and bridge contracts. And so that's an area that I've been trying to work on that we need, we have to be purposeful in exposing people and not just saying that they get the information, but having that, the type of assistance with people that understand the community that need those opportunities to get them. And, and to even um, expound on having um, the procurement processes and the importance of it that it's needed, um, during one of my pre-solicitation calls with the city of Tulsa um, for a project, uh, there were contractors asking the city, you know, who are the black-owned businesses? And they had, you know, it was, it was hurting to listen to our city officials say, well, because of this, da 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 da, we are not allowed to determine that. So, on, on another side, even the the contractors that are interested in even getting access to us, they can't even get help from our city and our state to even say these are the businesses that are black owned that you can do business with. Um, and so, it's definitely a, um, a disenfranchising on multiple levels. And I, I would like to add on to what you're saying, looking at the municipal level or, or, or city government, you know, recently with, with COVID-19, it, it forced our governments to be more agile and more responsive and uh, in a way that was quick and, and almost overnight so we could support uh, businesses, not only job creation, but job retention. And we've seen that at the federal level and state level and local level. And something that, that took place in the city of Oklahoma City through two programs is there were set aside specifically for low-income communities, which in Oklahoma City are disproportionately overrepresented by African Americans and uh, Hispanic populations. And so by doing that, what we've seen is more diversity because we said we are going to commit 25% of our funds towards these, these, uh, these communities, these census tracts. And being on the committee where we were able to disperse those funds, um, hearing some of the stories and the experiences and people saying, I didn't think that this program was designed for me. I, I hear that often, is I didn't feel that this program was actually designed for me and the fact that you all made that commitment spoke volumes. And then there was another program that took it even a step further and said, we are not only going to focus on low-income communities, but we are going to prioritize my, uh, minority-owned firm, firms and women-owned firms. And to be able to say that even out loud, talking about courageous conversations, courageous commitments, that then opens the door for folks to say that this program is designed for me and to the point of people talking about capacity, right, and experience and knowledge. Allowing and partnering, you know, those private-public partnerships are so important because then you can partner with a nonprofit that says, if you don't know how to go through the process, we will support you because we don't want to exclude you. And so we had our community action agency that was able to provide those businesses technical support, and we asked for the very, the bare minimum. We didn't give them a 12-page application. We asked for the bare minimum and said that we will help you, we will help strengthen your capacity because it's so important to our local economy that you're successful that you produce jobs, that you pay livable wages. And, our, and as a government, we are going to help do that. So moving from courageous conversations to commitments and actions 
is really, really important. Excellent. I'd like to put this question to, the, to all the panelists and Charity ask you to kind of start us. Uh, for those who are watching on, on uh, TV and for those in positions of influence, uh, hearing the challenges and the opportunities we've discussed, you know, what actions can we take up uh, to make change? Thank you. That's a great question. Um, and what I'm seeing here and what I would like to see a, um, taking place from you as the governor and our state legislators is that I want to see um, diversity procurement um, programming here in the state so that um, we can get those processes and those contracts. I would also like to see um, an expansion of our current state tax credits. A lot of our tax credits are not um, built for small businesses under 50 employees. So when you're talking about zero to 10 employees, where are the tax credits for small business owners and entrepreneurs? And even though this is a conversation on black businesses, but being able to expand those tax credits on a statewide level to all small businesses will definitely um, be better for our businesses. And then also a focus on service-based industries. A lot of black-owned businesses, they are service-based businesses. So they don't have access to a lot of, of um, opportunities because they are service-based. A lot of times companies are looking for um, products in, um, in different types of tangible items, but we need more, more focus on our service-based businesses. First, I'm impressed that you have your minority business council. I don't know that that's happened before you became governor. I appreciate that. Having this conversation is a bold, bold move. And what I would say to those that are listening, uh, that have corporations and resources and are uh, the influencers in our state and our cities, choose a millennial black person. Uh, ask people in your uh, company or uh, people in your community who are the young African-American people that need the opportunity to be on a key board that makes these decisions, to be in a room and to be on these boards that make a difference so that they are exposed to. Because what happens is that people choose and work with people they're familiar with. And I'm familiar with uh, many of these people by the boards, uh, boards and commissions I've been on. And so when you make appointments on boards and commissions, think of diversity. Think of what, who's not in the room and how can we pick these up and coming people that are preparing themselves and give them that opportunity and be intentional about, about it. Because many times these things don't happen on purpose. It's just the fact that we don't consciously think of it and the unintended consequences. I think you hit on you hit on something there. I mean, asking these companies, I think a practical thing they can do is is inviting some of these uh, partner with high schools, bringing some of these uh, uh, kids in for after school programs all across Oklahoma. I think you 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 do bring another perspective. And in, in my teams that I've led over the years, I tell them if we're all thinking the same, we're not. Nobody's thinking. So I love dialogue and debate and and. Uh, Tell me where I'm wrong and where I can learn. And so I think with, uh, with, with building groups of uh, uh, different thought process, that's where you squeeze out the best ideas. And so I would challenge the companies that are listening uh, to really open up to some high school and some college kids and, and bring those, those kids in for uh, summer jobs and maybe even after school.
think um, Kevin, I mean, Senator, said it perfectly. We have to make some purposeful decisions. And we think about the impact, the social capital, as well as the financial capital, which are the things that are missing, have to make some really tough choices. As Charity talked about, we're working on 759. How do we get people exposure to monies that are being spent for, for gain, I mean, for purposeful gain, not for gifts? And how do we train our kids to grow into those opportunities? So it's, it's a couple of purposeful things. And talk the talk. A black business is not just a black business. Seeing you walk in one and buying a hat would be a, a great thing. I mean, but that's, that's the leadership that you're showing by having this conversation and the action steps that I think we need to come out of this with. Also, economic opportunity zones for underserved under, um, areas where investors are incented to make investments in businesses in areas where they need businesses. And, and that's huge. And that co covers the mentorship part. I invested my money as a venture capitalist in charities business in an underserved area. I'm going to be right there with her, making her succeed because I get a financial gain out of it. Excellent. Well, we are about out of time. I'm going to uh, finish with this last question for, for, for everyone. Uh, you know, first off, thank you all for sharing your time with us today, your perspective and your wisdom. Uh, you know, what other questions do we need to start asking uh, as we keep working toward making change and progress? I, I, would, I would say, um, you know, what, what we're, we're doing in Oklahoma City is we really don't have, at, at this point, a baseline for how we're doing at, so far as data of how we're doing to lead to some of these actions, right? And so we need to be able to evaluate and create metrics as a city or state that says that this is a part, when we talk about progress indicators, this metric measures our success and we need to see where we are so we can figure out where to go. And so being able to institutionalize that we need to see where our dollars are on an annual basis, um, how they're being deployed and to who. Uh, we need to see um, so far as the, the educational opportunities that you said, who, who's participating in that, how effective is the program, how successful are they creating those pipelines. So the research and data play, uh, piece is so important. Uh, so we can figure out what we're doing really well and then where there's opportunities for growth as well. I think, again, going back to the purposeful word, that makes some decisions that show progress and that show hope, and that people say this is not the same conversation we had and with the same results. I think those metrics, the key production indicators or KPIs, to talk about the progress we're making is a great idea. Then you have something to show. Here's where we are. Here's where we need to go. I just think investment, 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 time and money in the areas that need it. And I think our ecosystem is broken. And I had this um, conversation with Secretary Sean. I said, our ecosystem is broken. The problems in the underserved areas are very similar to the problems in the rural areas. We don't have food in the underserved areas. And we have farms that are going out of business in the rural areas. That distribution channel is broken. So we, we need to act like we have an ecosystem and come up with some positive outcomes. Governor, when I worked on the fire department, 
uh, we have had and still have. We just hired a new fire chief this past week. I was fortunate enough to be on that interview panel. And when we, our administration looked at the fact that at that time, uh, under that administration, we had no women on the fire department. We had no Hispanics. We had nobody that was bilingual. And uh, the African-Americans that were forced to be on the fire department with a consent decree were all retiring. Our administration gave me the opportunity to be over that because I not only understood what the administration wanted, but I also understood the community. And so you as a governor, those mayors, those CEOs that can reach out into the community with somebody that has the capacity and relationships to understand the problem and the people and make them responsible and empower them uh, to come up with those measurable results, I think it would make a ton of difference. And it would be better for you, any leaders, and it would be better for our cities and our states. Excellent. So, Governor, I think uh, being intentional, being aware, and measuring outcome are, are all really important. And when I talked about minority procurement and African-American procurement and set-asides, my intention was not to say to set it here and allow us access uh, because competition is important and of course uh, budgets are limited and, and we understand that um, the lowest bidder gets, gets the job, um, the lowest qualified bidder. But it is important that this minority procurement conversation be held seriously and changes made not so that um, African-American businesses are given uh, jobs, but so they're, they're paid attention to when they're seeking jobs uh, and contracts, et cetera. And so I just encourage uh, you and every corporation out there to take this on and, and take it seriously and set a goal, set an objective and pursue it. Uh, and then continue these conversations. Uh, my daughter, says that um, I can be asked to the dance, Mom, but if, if I don't uh, get asked to dance, I'm left out. And so I think it's very important for you to continue the conversation with African-American business owners in order to affect real change. And I, I really thank you for starting the dialogue today and challenge you to continue it, not just with those business owners, but with those larger corporations who really have the power to make impact. And I, I would definitely like to challenge business leaders and elected officials to further engage the Minority Business Council um, and to partner with us um, in creating an equitable Oklahoma. Um, that's the reason why you and Secretary Copeland founded this council so that we could work to um, achieve a better Oklahoma for minority businesses um, across this state. So being more intentional and utilizing um, a network of amazing leaders from across this state, from different perspectives and different backgrounds um, is, is needed. When, when people talk about DNI in corporate America, they always say that the companies that have diversity in their leadership inclusion and equity in their leadership, 
financially, they're far better off than any other corporation. And it's no different for states and our revenues. When everybody in the state has the same opportunities, the same access to compete, we're gonna have a far better state. A top 10 state. A top 10 state, that's right, that's right. Well, thank you guys so much for you know what you're all doing for uh, your leadership in Oklahoma. I really, really appreciate uh, you for joining me today to start this uh, start this conversation. Um, you know, and I also want to thank Oklahomans um, for joining me and listening and learning from this fantastic panel of leaders. Uh, we are going to keep learning and working together to move Oklahoma forward. We are stronger uh, when we all work together and create a great opportunity for every single Oklahoman. So that's my, that's my dream. That's my uh, purpose as being governor. And like you said, Wes, uh, let's make Oklahoma a top 10 state. Thank you for listening to The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need, provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.